With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joining us now on the Rob Double Show hotline is Dom Amore, who covers UConn sports, also the major leagues, and a lot of other things for the Hartford Current. And Dom, your thoughts on hearing that uh, UConn and Gonzaga and the commissioner of the Big 12 have stopped talking because of the additions. He said he needs to concentrate on the four additions that the Big 12 has recently made from the Pac-12. Um, your thoughts on UConn not getting into the Big 12? Yeah, well, there's nothing There's nothing new necessarily today. It was pretty obvious that uh, once uh, the Big 12 got those three teams that they were probably going to sit on that and, and, and uh, assimilate for now. Uh, although I do think that Brett Yormark uh, is much more bullish on basketball than some of the other Power Five commissioners are. And, and for that reason, it wouldn't shock me if it was revisited again. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, the, with the Big Ten going to, what, 18, maybe maybe the Big 12 goes to 18, maybe, maybe somebody goes to 20. Uh, you know, again, I know he's fascinated with the idea of having a separate uh, basketball and football deal for TV, and if you throw UConn and Gonzaga in with what they've got, that would certainly be a very attractive package. So I, I don't, I don't think it's dead permanently, but it could be dead uh, certainly for the time being, as far as the Big Twelve goes. And also, Rob, you, 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 no, no one should ever have discounted the possibility that your mark was making a lot of noise about UConn in a way, in, in an effort to get those Pac-12 schools to move, particularly Arizona. And once Arizona moved, it was like taking, taking the wrong square out of a Jenga tower. You know, everything just kind of collapsed. So uh, nothing really new today, uh, but I don't think UConn's Power 5 hopes are dead, you know, for all time. I, I, I do think the time will come. It's just not going to come tomorrow. Then again, you never know. Everyone uses Connecticut as a bargaining chip, Dom. Yep. Whether yep. it's the Patriots, the Big 12. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, the ACC, is that talk dead or is that a possibility still? Or is that even something that UConn wants to entertain with their own contract turmoil? Well, you know what? I think that that's something that the fact that you haven't heard anything about that doesn't necessarily mean anything because these things always come out of left field. Just right. because you haven't heard a rumor about the ACC doesn't mean that they haven't talked to UConn. It doesn't mean that they're not interested in UConn. It just means that they maybe do a little better job of keeping a lid on things than, than, the, uh, than, the, than the Big 12 was doing. Um, you know, I think that the, the two the possibilities for the ACC is if, A, if Notre Dame is now unable to, to really fill out a football schedule because of uh, you know these leagues expanding to 18 and 20, then maybe they need to join the ACC and, 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 and UConn becomes the 16th team. Certainly if Florida State and, or, some, or Clemson or some of the other really power football schools within the ACC find their way out of the conference, which they sound like they're determined to do, then the ACC's got to go somewhere to replace them. And I would think UConn would be in the front of the line. I mean, UConn's basketball profile, and let's not forget their baseball profile, 
Uh, they could be a nice state. And that's, the ACC is the best fit for UConn, depending on what teams stay there. So I don't. I, I feel like if I if I were a betting man, uh, guys, I think the ACC is where UConn is eventually going to land. It's just, but there are just a few moving parts that haven't moved yet. As far as uh, we were just at the golf tournament and talking to the UConn basketball, the men's team, they they look like they're fired up for this season. Your thoughts uh, on UConn men's basketball and where they are right now? Well, I think they're in a great place. I mean, they had a, you know, I think that uh, Dan struck a nice balance, uh, Dan Hurley did, between celebrating the championship all year, also capitalizing on that championship by getting the UConn brand out there anywhere and everywhere that he could. Uh, but also buckling down on things. I think this trip to Europe is a great, a great bond bonding uh, exercise for the for a team that is going to be bringing in some new people to join the holdovers from the championship team. Uh, you know how good Klingon was in a limited role last year. Anxious to see what that looks like full time, and just to see what Samson Johnson looks like when he gets on the court, and maybe just the right number of minutes to have an impact and. You know, every everyone is so impressed with Stefan Castle, particularly his build. I mean, he really looks looks the part for a freshman. I mean, he, I think he's going to be a big star. People are talking about him being a lottery pick along with Klingon. So, you know, I, I think they couldn't be in a better place. I mean, they really couldn't. Repeating is difficult, but getting deep into the tournament, uh, again, I don't think that's off the table by any means. So I, I think it's going to be another fun year for them. So that tournament had a bunch of uh, NBA talent running around, and we were talking about Donovan a lot with a lot of those guys and just, you know, try and pick their brains of what they thought as far as his potential goes. And a lot of people, you know, I have this thought too, that that kid could have been in the league this year and just been a rim protector, probably had 10, 12 years in the league, just being seven foot and, you know, nothing more, nothing less. For him to guard a Joel Embiid, for him to guard a Carl Anthony Towns, for him to actually be a huge piece on an NBA team, we haven't seen that kind of stuff yet. And we saw Sonogo kind of drift out to the three-point line a lot last year to improve his stock in the NBA. Do you foresee a different role other than back to the basket or help side D or pick and roll for Donovan Klingon this year? Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think you'll see him him test a three point shot, uh, and I think and I think he's already. I think he's better at it. He's always been better at it. I think he's done more of it at this point uh, than than Adama did when he got there. Yeah, no, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, Donovan put in a position to display himself to the NBA to display the kind of skills that you're talking about. I think that's something that Dan Hurley is very good with is understanding that. Part of winning and part is is recruiting. Part of recruiting is showing kids that you can get them to the NBA. So I think he's going to, while certainly not subjugating uh, the interests of winning, uh, he's going to put Donovan Klingon in positions to ready himself for for the NBA. And uh, you know, uh, one thing that's very fortunate from UConn standpoint, guys, is that NIL is here now. Because if you didn't have NIL. Uh, Klingon probably would have thrown his hat in the ring last year and gone to the NBA, ready or not, much the way Andre Drummond did after one year uh, and played his 10 years in the league. But with NIL, it was it's very much worth his while to come back to UConn and put that money in his pocket while taking that year to get better and grow uh, in terms of maturity, grow in terms of leadership, and maybe take a run at, a, at another title. So uh, I think you could probably thank the NIL uh uh, changes 
for maybe keeping uh, uh, Donovan Klingon at UConn, which is good for him and good for UConn. Talking to Dom Mori from the Hartford Current. Uh, let's go to MLB, New York Yankees. Last time they were 1660 was 1995. They're in last place, 14 behind the Orioles, six and a half out in the wild card. Um, just your thoughts in general of, uh, you know, the future of the New York Yankees front office, yeah. Aaron Boone, guys like that. Um, and do you just destroy this team if they don't make the postseason this year? Well, I think one of the problems that they have sometimes is that they are fooled by making the postseason. You know, I think, you know, last year, and, and, I, and, and I, I think I might have said this when I was on with you last, last fall, you know, you couldn't go into last offseason looking at this as a 99-win team. You had to look at it as a team that was 500 the whole second half. You know, no one should be surprised that they're, that they're at 500 now. That's what they were the whole second half of the year, yeah. so of last year. They've been basically a 500 team for well over 200 games now. So, you know, they need to, they do need to, I think, blow things up. Um, they need to maybe take a page out of Steve Cohen's book and eat some contracts to move some people and, 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 and just bite the bullet on some guys to, to make some changes. Uh, they're, they're probably limited in some of the things that they can do, but they do have the money to go out and pursue other players who are not past their prime because you have to spend that money wisely. You know, my feeling is that the Yankees really need to look at things top to bottom and take an entirely new approach to things. You know, there's every team uses analytics. The Yankees aren't going to analytics aren't going to go away. But are the Yankees using them right? Are they using the right analytics? Do they have the right people applying those analytics? Uh, you know, every team, uh, the front office has a lot more. Uh, you know, does a lot more meddling with the field manager than ever before. But are the Yankees maybe doing too much of that? Maybe. Would a manager like, let's say, Dusty Baker, who certainly takes plenty, I'm sure takes plenty of instruction from the front office, but is also a baseball guy who does things uh, largely his way, would that be the answer for the Yankees? So the Yankees, I think, just think needs to, whether, even if they snuck into the playoffs, and I don't think they will, because what have you seen to indicate that, they have, that they're going to catch Toronto at this point? I, I haven't seen a thing. But I do think they need to take a look top to bottom at how they run things and change them. And, you know, having said that, Brian Cashman is a guy that probably should be in the Hall of Fame someday based on his work with body work with the Yankees. But everyone, every GM has an expiration date. And I wouldn't be surprised if he were to resurface somewhere else and have great success. He's a good baseball man. He's a very smart guy. But maybe things have just run its course with the Yankees, and maybe he needs a change of scenery, and they need another voice, another decision maker in that role. So I foresee big, big changes for the Yankees. Uh, if if they don't make the playoffs, if they do make the playoffs and it's an early exit, somehow um, they should still think the same way. I, I don't. I think with, with the with the number of teams making the playoffs, you can't just look at the playoffs as a some kind of a baseline achievement. You know, you have to you have to look at the record. You know, the Yankees needed to look at the the second half of last season, not the fact that they ended up with 99 wins and won a playoff series. I want to know your thoughts on the team they're about to play this weekend. The Boston Red Sox have put things together against a bunch of should-win teams, Kansas City, Detroit, and now with the Washington Nationals. They win a couple more games. They're going to sneak into that bottom part of the wild card, but they got the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Astros on the docket mm. here in the next few series. Do they have enough arms? Do you like what you see? Do you think that the Boston Red Sox are a for real contender if they got into the playoffs? I don't know if they're a for real contender in the playoffs. I don't know if they have the pitching to, to drive that home. But I do think that for a year that was 
largely considered to be a write-off year, I feel like they're playing with house money. You know, they stayed in it and got story back. They stayed in it and they've got sale back. Uh, you know, they didn't give up any anybody at the deadline. Uh, so they, they've, you know, I think that they could possibly catch Toronto. You're talking about, you know, should-win teams. When was the last time the Yankees won a series against the should-win team? I mean, yeah, Kansas City, but... Yep. I mean, they're, they're you know it's supposed to be a great bullpen. Look at the, look at the rubber games they've lost that they've really thrown away out of their bullpen. The Red Sox are holding on to those games. So, you know, I could see the Red Sox sneaking into the playoffs. I don't see them going far once they're there. You know, Houston bolstered with um, you know with Verlander is obviously going to be as big a threat certainly as they were last year in Texas. Uh, you know what they've been doing all year. Toronto obviously they've got Giolito now. They're going to be tough, but I do I do think the Rays. But I do think that, uh, you know, for what is basically a free year, a house money year, I think the Red Sox got to be happy with where they're sitting. And now they can maybe go out and, and, and pick up a couple of, of, of big pieces in the offseason and, and go over the, and, and be a real contender next year. All right, give me some Yankee lore. Uh, my friends are up at Cooperstown. They're playing all week in, in uh, the 12U tournament up there, and they're just there today. And they asked me if I could swing the Babe Ruth bat, which was a 40-ounce <laughs> bat, by the way. Yeah. Um, give me some, he was six, two, about what, about yeah. 180, 85, somewhere in there. How does this guy yeah. swing a 40 ounce bat like that and hit all those home runs? You know, uh, if you, if you look at him, when, particularly when he was younger, before he got, uh, you know, real heavy around the middle, um, he was an, he was a hitter. If you look from the films, he had this tremendous leverage, you know, he had long legs uh, and kind of a you know, and, and kind of big shoulders. Uh, and you know, when you hear you you, you you think of him as being as big as like Mark McGuire or being as big as, as guys like that, and he was nowhere near it. But he had tremendous you know leverage. Um, and you know, the bats that, that they swung in those days were, were very heavy, but they were not as top heavy as the bats are today. They were heavy because they had very thick handles. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he never broke a bat because they were so thick in the, in the handle. So the, 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 although they, they weighed a lot, they were a little bit different in terms of balance. You know, if you, if you take a bat that weighed that much, but all the weight was in the, in the, in the, in the barrel and the, and the, and, and, and the, uh, the handle and the, the neck were real, were real thin like they are today that would have been much, much harder for him to buggy whip with a bat like that than the bat he was swinging. So, yeah, his bat was very heavy, but I think the balance was a little bit different. And that's what allowed him to swing it, along with just the great, kind of the great leverage in terms of the way he was built. And, you know, the other thing, too, Rob, uh, how many 100-mile-an-hour fastballs do you think they saw in, in the 20s and 30s? <laughs> right, and, I, and how many specialized got, relievers were coming out of the yeah. bullpen to get him? Exactly. I mean, those those you know, the, the roundhouse curve, which was like a blooper pitch, was a big, big up in the arsenal in those days. And you've probably seen the film where he takes like two steps forward and hits yes. the ball, right? He They're did walk up in the box a lot. He walked up in the <laughs> box a lot, yeah. So, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was it was just a, it was a different game. But I think the bat that he swung probably, um, you know, uh, a function of, of his leverage and just the different, the way the weight was distributed in the, in the bat. 
So we had two baseball sideshows in town, one on Friday, one on Monday over there at the Dunk. Uh, Home Run Derby X, Mr. Dibble was a part of, Major League Baseball Mm -hmm. Home Run Derby X, which was a lot of fun. A lot of people were watching it there. And then the Savannah Bananas on Monday. And I know you were in the house for Home Run Derby X. Did they let you Mm -hmm. into the Broadway show, the Savannah Bananas, or were you not big enough for them? Yeah, they finally did. They they asked me who... Who I wrote for and what the reach was. That's and, awesome. And, that's <laughs> horrible. That's and, horrible. You know, you know, Thomas Jefferson took us to court and lost. Yeah. So that's kind of you know that, that's pretty good reach right there. So what did you think? Uh, no, what did you, you think of both of them? Well, the home run derby I thought was uh, was a lot of like, you know what are these events for? You know, are they for old fogies like us who are looking for like a real baseball game? You know, no, they're for kids, and I thought the kids loved them. Kids can't get enough of the Savannah Bananas thing. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters. It's a, it's a baseball-themed carnival or baseball-themed circus, baseball-themed comedy show. And on that level, it's a huge success. So, you know, some, you know, I don't see the Savannah Bananas as a threat to baseball or a threat to our way of life. You know, I think, uh, <laughs> I think for what they do, they succeed magnificently. And as far as the home run derby goes. Uh, is it something that you could do every year and, and it's going to have legs? You know, I don't know, but it sure seemed like a lot of fun and people liked it. People enjoyed it. Uh, I think the people they had doing it, uh, you know, played to the audience and played it right. I mean, Nick Swisher, I mean, you just wonder, you know, what, what planet he's from sometimes, right? I mean, <laughs> with that personality. But, you know, God bless him. He's never changed. So I just thought they were they were too fun Summer events, great for the late summer when time's running out on the kids. They're going to be going back to school soon. And I just thought for the for the people, the audience it was intended for, it was a great show. Two great shows. Well, sir, thank you so much. Uh, Friday, I saw you for the first time. You look amazing. You look 20 years younger. <laughs> so God bless you, Dom. Love you, man. That's a man. Yeah, well, that's, that's more uh, probably more a testament to how out of control things were before. But uh <laughs> But, yeah, I do. I certainly feel 20 years younger. Beautiful. So I appreciate that. Well, keep up the good right. work. Thank you so much, Dom, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, the only thing they needed for the, the bananas, by the way, is for you to suit up for the other side and plunk somebody. That's what it's needed. <laughs> yes. Next I'm in. Next I'm year. in. They didn't ask me, but I was available. <laughs> certainly yeah, love that stuff. I'm not getting on the stilts, <laughs> that's, though. That's, that's that, was, that was scary. Right. Thank you, Dom. Thanks, yeah. Dom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.